Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Before we begin, this podcast is a member of the Agora Podcast Network, a group of like-minded podcasters connecting with discerning listeners. All very 70s pop modern chic. This month, we are promoting Dominic Perry's Egyptian History Podcast. Dominic is a real honest-to-God professor of Egyptianess, and as such, has had a lifelong passion for the subject. It really shows in his podcast, and the odd Monty Python reference does not hurt either. I suggest you check it out, and while you're at it, why not stop by my show page and give me some money? Or you could rate and review us on iTunes, leave a comment on the Facebook page, whatever helps keep you away from your unpleasant relatives in this troubling holiday season. That Charlemagne was a magician, himself barely literate, creating an empire out of nowhere, creating culturally highest forms like the Palatine Chapel, quasi out of nowhere, and with no real precursors, with everything coming after him being not quite so elaborate, and most obviously, his reign coming out of nowhere and going back into nowhere. The evidence Illich quotes to illustrate the absurdities in both the common and the academic understandings of Charlemagne is so striking that it does not need further attention. Dr. Philip Nice, as read by Travis J. Dow. Everyone's right and no one is sorry. That's the start and the end of the story. From the sharks and the jets to the call in the morning. Greetings, I'm Benjamin Jacobs, and I'm your host as we travel towards Wittenberg and Westphalia, the wars of the Reformation. Today we have a very special show, generated by the efforts of our intrepid editor, Andrew, to not fail his English class. The script is for the most part his work, though I have added my own brand of stylistic flourishes, mostly evident in my need to use words with more than nine syllables and make use of odd sentence structures. Sentences like this one. Yes, I used a semicolon. At any rate, it is a fun topic and happens to be appropriate to where we are in the show. So when Andrew asked if I could record an episode of his writing on this subject, I was happy to oblige. So, so far in this show, we've discussed a lot of early medieval history. The Germanic invasions, Charlemagne, the Gadeshi. But it turns out that I have, unwittingly, been presenting you with only one point of view in a serious debate. What if I told you that everything I've been telling you about... Charlemagne, all of the Gadeshi, most of the big Viking raids, everything, from 614 to 911, was fake. 
Yes, today we'll be discussing the phantom time hypothesis. Although calling it a hypothesis might be a stretch. And to do so, I must first take you back to Germany in the now distant time of the 1990s. Imagine it. Run Lola Run is on the television. Rammstein is on the radio. You're at a rave, accompanied by a thin man wearing a sweater vest and spectacles. Elsewhere, a German historian, Herbert Illig, was doing some historical math, like you do, and he was checking the math done by Pope Gregory VIII, when Pope Gregory VIII made the Gregorian calendar. For those of you not up on their temporal naming conventions, the Gregorian calendar is the basis of most modern Western calendars. Now, Herbert, he found that for time to be properly corrected by the adoption of the Gregorian calendar, one would have needed to skip 13 days' worth of time. But Pope Gregory, or the various monks in his employ, had only skipped 10 days instead of 13. Now, to create this difference, there are basically three options. Option 1. The monks of the late 16th century, working without calculators and at a time when scratch paper was fairly expensive, made some sort of error. Option 2. The monks chose to use the wrong date for some logical reason. Or option 3. The math was correct, and there are 297 extra years in human history just lying around. Now, personally, I believe that human error is always a likely cause of human events, but most modern historians point out that the 10-day shift made Catholic Easter line up with the date of Easter agreed upon at the Council of Nicaea, which itself is kind of a big deal for the Catholic Church. Given that all this happened during the Protestant Reformation, it should also be said that anything the Catholic Church could do to avoid making themselves look like they had deviated from the teachings of the early Church was also kind of extra important. But Illig, well, he opted for option three. So in Illig's mind, there are 300-odd extra years to deal with. To Illig, the only logical place for these 300 years to go is in the early Middle Ages. According to Illig, historians of the early Middle Ages have historically been over-reliant on later manuscripts and writings about what happened, which is somewhat true, as medieval archaeology has not had the funding devoted to the classical studies until recently. As a result, historians and medievalists have had little option beyond trusting what Joe Schmo Monk in the 10th century said about things that happened in the 300 years before. But by the 90s, this situation had started to shift, and we had started to accumulate things like coins, swords, buildings, etc. To Illig, these were all faked, and cannot be trusted. Faked by who, you might ask? Let me introduce you to the arch-conspirators. Otto III... Pope Sylvester II, and the Byzantine Emperor Constantine VII. Now, never mind that the Holy Roman Empire and the Byzantine Empire were not entirely on the best of terms. Actually, to the Byzantines, the Holy Roman Empire was a bunch of rabble-rousing barbarian pretenders to the Roman throne, which the Byzantines were the true inheritors of. And also, well, this is awkward, but Constantine VII, who reigned from 913 to 959, died about... 20 years before Otto III was even born. This might make it a tad tricky to plot the greatest conspiracy of all time when one of your key conspirators is going to be born 20 years after you die, but I guess he just left a bunch of notes everywhere and hoped that somehow someone would get it to the next Holy Roman Emperor. Maybe the Emperor was a Bene Gesserit witch of some kind, or maybe Otto was a Time Lord? But never mind, Illig had evidence. Roman architecture. 
Illig claims that there was Roman and Romanesque architecture in the 10th century Western Europe, which means that the empire could not possibly have ended so long before. You kind of have to adore Illig here. There's a certain naivete to him that's so hard to find in the modern world and especially in adults. Now, I shouldn't have to explain to you all how buildings tend to stay around for a while after they are built. Or at least they did before Reagan instituted accelerated depreciation in the 1980s. Anyway, buildings, especially Roman ones, are, were made to last and were really only ever destroyed when people tore them down for building materials. Often the buildings they were destroyed to build were the very Romanesque architecture examples that Illig is discussing. But, I mean, the very fact that we have Roman architecture around to this day means that someone in Rome did something right when they were trying to build things that would last for a while, so good job, Rome. But it also means that, you know, there were Roman buildings around. Anyway, Illig doesn't like to give up without a fight, so he has more evidence. We'll keep going. According to Illig, as part of this grand conspiracy to change time, the Catholic Church went on a mad spree, forging documents, coins, records, you name it. According to the conspiracy theory, the Church went on an all-out, continent-wide quest to forge 300 years of history. He cites parts where they messed up, such as a gap of records of building in Constantinople from 558 to 908, which, okay, actually we know there was building in the city during this time period, but the records are believed to have been destroyed during one of the many upheavals in the city, with some saying it happened in 1204 during the whole Fourth Crusade debacle, and some in 1453, when Mehmed II came and made Constantinople Turkish. And some even say that they weren't destroyed until the Young Turks Revolution in 1908, so take your guess in when the records were destroyed. Constantinople hasn't always been the safest place for bits of paper, or other non-cannonball-proof records. Another record gap that Illig claims exists is the debates over the meaning of purgatory that were taking place in the Catholic Church before this time and after this time, but during this 300-year gap there were no debates, or at least no loud and open ones. Which, I mean, okay, but the history of ideas is hardly linear. By this logic, everything between Seleucus and Copernicus is questionable in the world of astronomy. On the other hand, given how church theologians were willing to squabble over every little bit of theological arcana, it sure is amazing how the medieval Catholic Church would put aside their differences and work for a German emperor in order to hide 300 years of time. It's all downright inspiring, it is. One key issue with Illig's quote-unquote hypothesis is the presence of Charlemagne during this time period. You know, Charlemagne, that really cool dude who killed his brother, and then some Saxons, and some Lombards, and then got crowned Holy Roman Emperor. Well, he's fake, totally made up by Otto III, according to Illig. So why would Otto make up Charlemagne? Well, it's simple. Otto III wanted to have a Catholic ruler that he could base his achievements off of and give his regime legitimacy. But this phantom king couldn't be too cool, so that poor Otto would look even better by comparison. Illig's rationale for doubting Charlemagne's existence is wonderful. Classic Illig. He determined, after looking at the achievements of Charlemagne, it would have taken the lives of three to four ordinary men to achieve what Charlemagne did. Now, Andrew would like me to take this moment and say that he is being trained as a Marxist historian, and that is that economics and social forces drive history rather than great men, but even he wants to state publicly for the record that Charlemagne was a great man, who bent history towards his will, and the reason he's a great man is because he was able to do the works of three or four normal men, and that's what makes a great man. 
So what Illig's claim is essentially is that great men do not exist, but not even the Marxist historians like, well, Marx would argue that. It's laughable. For my own part, I just have to say that Illig clearly never had the misfortune to work in retail during the holidays for a boss with type A personality. At any rate, this quote-unquote hypothesis would mean that the Holy Roman Empire just came into existence one day, or else that Otto III is actually the first real emperor, which begs the question, why? Why on earth? Why any of this? Why this grand conspiracy that would have required years of planning and the collusion of a series of three massive, poorly coordinated feudal bureaucracies to pull off in order to hide 300 years and create a emperor that didn't exist? Why? According to Illig, Otto III wanted to be emperor in the year 1000, so that he could get into heaven. That's literally his explanation. Otto III thought the way that millenarianism works is that being emperor in the year 1000 gets you special access to heaven, so he undertook the greatest lie mankind has ever undertaken to be emperor in the year 1000 so that he could get into heaven, a place for people without sin. Sins like lying. Which the Bible is pretty clear is a bad thing. I mean, it's been some time, but I remember that much. Illig, buddy, you could have picked anything. Conspiracy theories don't require a ton of evidence. The Illuminati? Aliens? Something? No, Imperial Prestige Project and Heaven on a Technicality bid like in Dogma. Okay, fine. But it's not just that the Phantom Time hypothesis is sort of, like, absurd. It's also deeply... We could be charitable and call it Eurocentric. Racist would also work. The entire <laughs> hypothesis ignores the fact that there are other places in the world beyond Western Europe. In fact, the time that Illig claims we skipped is the height of Islamic conquest in the Middle East and the Iberian Peninsula, modern-day Spain and Portugal. And there's this really big place you might have heard of called China that Illig just completely ignores. China, under the Song Dynasty, happens to be really well documented. In fact, super well documented. The record keepers of this time period, living in the Song Dynasty, document all kinds of fun things, including astronomical events, which we can cross-check against the supposedly forged European records. It will probably not be a huge surprise to you all to hear that they match. So unless Emperor Zenzong was also in on the conspiracy, things don't look really good for Illig's claim. But let's leave Illig's bleeding hypothesis lying there on the sidewalk for other people to come by and kick. There are plenty of other ways we know it is wrong. Carbon dating, basic logic, historiography, just to name a few. There's even environmental evidence. Even within this series, even within the written documentary sources that we've talked about, we've talked about sources that were written within this time period, which corroborate each other to some extent, and some of which refer back to previous sources, like you would expect. They're clearly written by different people, they have different styles, they use different dialects. So, unfortunately for this glorious little hypothesis, the fact that the Middle Ages lasted so long is just a testament to how badly things fell apart. Western civilization has only had one other event like this in Western history, and that was the Bronze Age Collapse around 1150 BCE, which you should really totally Google. It's got sea peoples. Ooh... I just want to impart one last piece of knowledge on you, which is that it is good to question historians, ask them for sources, and check their sources. Double-check for yourself. See why they are saying what they do, and look into the historiography of the subject, and see what earlier and later authors had to say on the subject. But don't ever just make stuff up, and remember Occam's Razor. 
Sometimes the simplest answer is the correct one. Like how Pope Gregory just wanted Easter to be on the day everyone had already agreed on at Nicaea. And for that trade, he's cool with the calendar being a bit off. That or there's a really grand conspiracy, even in our own modern world, based on Otto III's prestige project that we're just one part of, trying to hide the truth that we are really living in the 18th century. So, thanks for listening. This was fun. Thanks to Andrew for the script, and for not being super annoyed at all my edits. There will be a new episode up soon, so be sure to check your feeds and use your podcatchers instead of talking to your families as we enter the holiday season. It will be worth your time on Wittenberg to Westphalia, The Wars of the Reformation. I may have stopped with Camel Sherman PT-17, 16 cloudy, I go slow. Also, I'm supposed to mention that Russians who have grabbed onto this hypothesis claim the 300 years that were later added did happen, but were changed because all of Europe was ruled by the Kievan Rus and other proto-Russians, and there is some great anti-Russian conspiracy trying to make Russia look weak when everyone knows Russia is strong, best country ever. That's Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com always fun.